BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Hello, and welcome to the Celtics Lab Podcast, a show where we like to get granular about all things Boston Celtics. And given that the season have added a Marcus Smart contract extension and an Evan Fournier trade player exception to the books, there's plenty to discuss. I'm Cameron Tempsby, your host, joined by Dr. Justin Quinn. To help us break down all the new Celtics news, we brought on a friend of the pod and a capologist extraordinaire, Hoops Hype's own Yossi Goslin. Yossi, how are you? Doing well, and how are you guys? Doing okay. Really warm, but uh, I'll take that. Yeah, we'll take that. I mean, a Marcus Smart contract extension. We'll talk about the nooks and crannies of the deal, but as a fan, I'm doing great. And to that end, in the lab portion of the programming, we will indeed take a look at all of the current roster and cap issues or opportunities facing the Celtics and what it might mean moving forward. But first, we're just going to go around the horn and discuss some of the recent events and perhaps the most interesting thing anyways is that the bits and pieces of the NBA schedule was announced. The Celtics will open against the New York Knicks on the road and they will play at Milwaukee on Christmas. Dr. Quinn, what are your thoughts? Well, kind of predictable in terms of trying to get the revenge game action going on. If you are going to get the Celtics involved, there were a number of notable snubs. I think the Miami Heat were pretty pissed off about not making the uh, opening night game schedule and if you're going to include the Celtics in it, this seems like the natural partner. Uh, it's, I'm going to be really curious to see how the Christmas game goes, because as a president, as much as I am very happy with what's been done with the Celtics roster, I think we're still going to end up getting slaughtered uh, come Christmas. <laughs> Yossi, what about you? I actually, I don't know who you root for in the NBA, but what, what about the opening day schedule or the Christmas schedule jumps out? I root for no one. I used to be a Laker (laughs) fan back in the day, but I've lost all attachment there. But uh, I was a little surprised the Celtics would be on the on the Christmas schedule, to be honest. I I, I was surprised them in Utah, Utah, just because I don't think anybody's going to watch that game. I think it's like (laughs) the last game, too. I think everyone's going to check out by then. We'll see, because I, I think Boston just 
naturally should do better than what happened last year. Mm-hmm. And they might, there's a good chance they do even better than like, I think a lot of people expect them to be like four to six. I wouldn't be shocked if they're better than that. So good chance that this game ends up being really good. Uh, but other than that, I guess no, no real big snubs other than like the Clippers. I thought they should have been on the, on the Christmas day schedule, at least over Utah. Yeah. Yeah. That's interesting to me. I wonder what sort of decisions go into that because I don't always <laughs> seem to understand them. Uh, yeah. But we don't have to worry about the Celtics getting waxed on Christmas for a while, but we can worry about a different Celtics team getting waxed just the other night, Boston, after their very fun, very wonderful Las Vegas summer league run, uh, just got their barn doors blown off by Sacramento to the tune of 167 of it and the final game of Vegas summer league. So after all of that fun, all the Peyton Pritchard, all of the Aaron Neesmith, it all came crashing down. Dr. Quinn, you've been following this stuff. What did you think about that game? And what do you think about the summer Celtics overall? The summer Celtics have been a pleasant surprise uh, up until the end of the first quarter when everything basically fell apart. I, I prematurely uh, praised just how beautiful they were playing until it became one of the ugliest games I've seen in a very long time. Uh, Davian Mitchell is the real deal. Uh, off game is the perfect nickname for him. <laughs> I, I don't think that this is any kind of an indictment of Peyton Pritchard. Maybe scoring 92 points while you were trying to win a summer league championship elsewhere was not the best plan as great of a headline as it was, but I was very, very happy with what I saw from Peyton Pritchard. Uh, Aaron Neesmith in particular, I think they're both going to be able to contribute. I would have liked to see more of Yamadar, obviously, and also Romeo Langford, who, you know, had some kind of an injury. I think it was a wrist injury, though, I think, yeah. if I understand correctly, it wasn't the same wrist or, or something to worry about. Uh, Yossi, did you follow Summer League at all? Admittedly, no. I didn't. I didn't. I was, at, I was at Summer League. I went. Oh, fantastic. Time. I went from the 7th to the 11th. Uh, didn't watch too many games, but I did catch a small glimpse of Celtics Cavs. So got to see a little bit of Pritchard Madar action. Um, mostly saw a lot of Orlando Magic. So I'm really oh. in on Jalen Suggs now. I saw him do that crazy tip dunk. Oh, fantastic. Um, yeah. And, but I did, I, I was aware of what happened last night. And that the Kings just completely. Well, didn't the King weren't the Celtics up by like twenty to ten in the beginning? They jumped into like a ten point lead pretty early. Yeah, it was they were playing so beautifully, and then they just they got totally locked down. It was it was brutal. Didn't they have like thirty six turnovers or something crazy? Yeah, and I think they and I think they out rebounded you guys by like twenty something. Is that right? I don't remember what the rebounding advantage was, but it was a pretty yeah, big. Guy. It was, it was oh, ugly. Oh, yeah. It was an ugly game. Yossi, can I put you on the spot? What is something about Summer League that you think the average NBA fan doesn't realize? Or, like, what was something surprising about going to Summer League? Uh, Just how open it was. You just walk around the concourse. You just see everybody as far as media people, people that work for teams, uh, even players, mostly young players. And then you'll just – but then, you know, like, I was – the spot was, like, the Aria – I would just just be there, and I was in Park MGM right next door, and just mm-hmm. walking around, just see so many like active players. I, I can't even can't even think of, like how many I saw. Uh, Celtics related though, I did see I did see Kendrick Perkins playing some blackjack, which was it was it was awesome. It was, 
But other than that, but yeah, just you just there's everybody there. If you're trying to break into the industry, just go, and you never know who you're going to run into. I have a, a memory as a kid of seeing Patrick Ewing in a casino and sitting at one of those tall blackjack stools. His feet were just on the ground, and that <laughs> that visual really stuck with me. Uh, all right, that's probably enough Vegas. Although one last thing, Tremont Waters seems to be done with the Boston Celtics. He joined the Rockets summer league roster, so Tremont, we hardly knew you. And Carson, back your bags, dude. Anyways, uh, speaking of some of the younger people in the Celtics orbit, Dr. Quinn, you talked about him a little bit. and We've had our eye on him. Yamadar seems as if he is not going to come to Boston this upcoming year. He signed with Partizan Belgrade or perhaps Ratio Farm Um. But I think that has been decided, Justin. Yeah, he is. He is. Uh going to join partisan Belgrade played under, I'm going to murder his name. So please forgive me. Uh, he, he turned on a two way offer, which is understandable because he's going to mm-hmm. face comparable competition more or less and make way more money. Uh, and he'll play under, this is where I'm going to kill. Uh, I'm just going to say his last name because Zeliko Obradovic. I think I did that right. Uh, he, he's been known for developing guys like Boyan and Bogdan Bogdanovich and uh, Nemanja Belicha. Mm-hmm. So this is a person we would want to see him paired with. It's not, you know, the highest level of basketball he could be playing in Europe, but it's still a pretty high level. Uh, they are going to be uh, a Euro Cup team. They want to get back into the Euro League, if I'm not mistaken. And he's not gone. Madar is not gone. He, the Celtics still have his rights and they can buy him out. Uh, it'll probably cost him more than the 250000 and it probably would have costed the Celtics more than 250000 that his new team had to pay to get him out of Hapoel Tel Aviv. Right. But, I mean, really, ever since the Schroeder signing um, and that, that groin injury he sustained, uh, it probably sealed his fate, even if he had looked you know, better and had more playing time than he did. Well, the Celtics are just so loaded at guard right now between Smart, Schroeder, Pritchard's going to be the third stringer. Like, he'll kind of split with Schroeder. So that's a really big... Right him right there you got done who knows what's gonna happen and you still got Carson Edwards so I could understand why um, I might want to like wait a little bit wait for that point guard rotation to to shorten a little bit before he decides to join and I I will say he is a string bean I mean he's just a kid and I think it really just when, when I saw the Celtics and I thought like I remember seeing on TV I thought Peyton Pritchard was small and like he definitely beefed up a little bit, but no, Yamadar was like a twig compared to him. It was it was stark. Yeah, no, he looks like a kid at like a Celtics charity camp. So <laughs> hopefully, uh, over in Europe, he can. I mean, he's he is a kid. He can beef up as someone who's in their late twenties. It it kind of happens naturally. Anyways, let's. I'm sure people did not come listen to this podcast to hear us talk about Yamadar's body. Let's instead, let's jump right into the lab. Let's get our hands dirty and let's talk about all of the interesting things that have happened since we last had an episode of the podcast. And Yossi, this is where your expertise comes in. So let's start with the smart extension. He inked a four-year, $77.1 million extension. It supposedly has a 15% trade kicker. Was that uh, confirmed? Dr. Ben's nodding his head. Okay, uh, let's first just from a basketball perspective, and then Yossi, I'm going to have you get in the weeds with the money, but just from a basketball perspective, and I'll start with you, Justin, how do you like the deal? It's a great deal. Optimally, we want Smart on the team long-term. If 
it isn't possible to develop talent within or at a third star without moving a major salary. It's a very movable deal. If he turns out to disappoint or have some kind of a injury or, you know, backslide in his offense or whatever, it's still a pretty movable deal. It's not the kind yeah. of, it's not, it's not an unmovable deal. In terms of what it means for his role with the team, he's finally getting a chance to start. You know, that's something that he has never really had a chance to do. You know, you can make a very good case that that's what Boston should have done after Kyrie Irving left. Now we're going to see what he can do. Yossi, let me ask you just from a basketball perspective, X's and O's, what do you think? But then also this kind of closes the door on the max cap space dream. Why do you think the Celtics went this route? Uh, as far as a basketball fit, we'll see. It'll, and it'll be interesting because if, if the Celtics start rolling and Marcus Smart is killing it as a playmaker and just continuing, he was it had a little bit of a down year, but maybe picks off from where he was the year before. Mm-hmm. And it'll be it'll just be funny how like the Celtics really had their point guard all along, but they yeah. went with <laughs> many other options instead. So hopefully that works out. Uh, as far as the money, I, I feel like he's very properly paid, very hard to find precise value. It's always someone, either the team's got the advantage in the deal or the player's overpaid. feel like he's pretty properly paid. And I think there's definitely – I do have some Marcus Smart fans that think he should have went to free agency, gotten, deserves even more money, and I right, get that. Yeah. I'll say this, like I'm keeping track of the cap space projections for 2022. It's going to be, if you thought 2021 was boring, next offseason is going to be <laughs> very slow. I, the same, all the same teams are going to have cap space. There's only like five of them. Uh, Boston's now no longer going to be one of them. So if the market's going to be that low, if you're a player, just lock up your money if you're happy yeah. with what you can get now. And I think he ultimately made a great decision. Uh, most likely, if he did hit free agency, we'd probably still get around the same, but might as well just lock it down now. You never know. So I think he made a great decision. Uh, now, as far as what they had, they really, as far as cap space for 2022, they never really had that realistic of a of a path to get max cap space for like Bradley Beal or Zach Levine. And the main reason is uh, they, you know, they have Al Horford. Mm-hmm. Um, he's got a 14 and a half million partial guarantee. So if you just like with the roster, if you, uh, how it was before the smart extension, if you waived them, took that guarantee, then you probably get to like 20 something mil. Right. But because uh, if you stretch it, then you get closer to 30. And then if you just got off him completely, then it's something like 36, 37 mil, mm-hmm. which is still not enough for uh, Beals max, but I think it should be enough for Levine's. Now you're putting Marcus Smart in at 17 mil. So now your, your path to calf space just got a lot harder if you get off Horford completely you you're only able to get to like 19 mil based on what I'm looking at so at that point do you really need to have what are you going to get with 20 mil you might as well just keep Horford uh just just by the way I'm looking at it but uh on the bright side they do have a lot of space 
below the tax so they can still do a lot of stuff. I think their path to getting either a third really good guy or just another great starter would probably be through trade and see how their young players develop. They still have all their picks going forward. They've got a lot of expiring contracts in Richardson and Schroeder, uh, Dunn. Uh, Soon these guys will all be able to be aggregated together. So we'll see what the Celtics do. It'll definitely come through trade, though, at this point, whatever next great player they get. Yeah, and we're going to talk about the traded player exception, the Fournier one, in just a moment. But because I think a lot of people still have their eyes on Beal, which personally I don't get it, but... Justin, maybe I can ask you this. What do you think the smart signing does for the possibility of Beal, the Wizards, and the Celtics doing a sign and trade next summer? Well, we could talk about the potential to absorb additional salary, which for Beal specifically, I think would be pretty critical because they're going to want to move some of the, the, the contracts uh, that they have. Davis Bertans, probably, for example, he would fit into a large trade exception we can discuss in a moment. Uh, but I am not entirely sure that Beal is going to necessarily be the target either, but it does put us in a good position to work with the team, as, as Yassi was saying, to help them clear salaries with all these expiring contracts. It could happen as soon as the deadline. I don't expect it to. I think that they're going to be keeping their eyes on something that is going to be perhaps less onerous to make a deal for, if they even make a deal. As we've discussed in the past, I think there is a good chance they, they, they play the year out, see what they have in these youngsters, see if they can really increase their trade value or maybe, you know, keep them. And to that end, the Celtics went ahead and made things a little bit easier to perhaps execute, maybe not a blockbuster trade, but a pretty interesting trade nonetheless. I, I don't, I didn't really see this as on the table and, you know, the Celtics, even with Danny Ainge out the door, have been operating in relative secrecy, which is kind of cool. But Evan Fournier went ahead and wanted to sign with the Knicks, and the Celtics and the Knicks got together and executed a sign and trade. Because of Fournier's contract that generated a 17.1, I think it's like 47, doesn't really matter, uh, traded player exception, which will be usable between two days ago up until 363 days from now, or whatever it is. And it costs the Celtics two future second round picks, which on this podcast, I've said very much so. I don't don't really care about second round picks. Uh, Let me ask you guys this. I was just thinking about this. The Knicks didn't need to do this. And second round picks are nice. But what do you think this says about Brad Stevens' relationships in the league? Because this isn't necessarily a favor to the Knicks, but... This is something that New York did not need to do. Justin, do you think that this suggests that Boston has friends out there? It suggests there is a lot less paranoia, I think, than there was uh, doing deals with Danny. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's not forget they also sent back $100,000-something because all teams have to basically touch each other in such a deal. Right. Uh, in this case, the, the, the second-round picks that Boston sent out, as you said, were one of them was a fake one. It was a top 55 Charlotte protected. And then I'm not even going to try to map out the other one, but it's the, the best of the worst of the best of the worst of yeah. something which is going to be terrible, basically. So we're talking like a pick in like the 40s or 50s at very best. It's, it's probably going to be near, near the end of this, the second round. And as you, as you suggested, if you find anything there, then you did amazing. And it wasn't because you're good. It was because you were lucky almost certainly. So, yeah, this is a great deal. Um, I'm not sure if this has much to do with 
Brad having more friends than Danny. I'm sure he does so far, but it's like this very mob like thing where mm-hmm. a team will sign a free agent, like stealing him from another team. And now that team that lost a free agent ends up paying the player's <laughs> new team to help them out. To So you're like, you're, so the Knicks basically got Fournier and picks to take, to help the Celtics out get this trade exception. And the Celtics did this with Charlotte last year. That's the reason yeah. why the Hayward signing with Charlotte got so delayed. They were <laughs> negotiating that. So they gave up two second round picks to get that trade exception, then gave up two second round picks to get Evan Fournier and then traded another two second round picks to create this trade exception. I don't know where these second round picks are coming from, but I'm not, I don't really keep track of it. So I, I'd imagine they might be running low at this point. Uh, but Cam, you say you don't really care about second round picks. So <laughs> yeah, they're, they're actually only down a few of their own. They picked up um, a second round pick from the Tristan uh, Thomas trade okay. somehow. Yeah. Um, they've, they've been pretty good at picking up some ancillary, so not good ones. Like these were not good second round picks at all. Um, I think at least in the Evan Fournier trade, there might have been at least one good second round pick in there. In yeah, yeah, that's right. I think one of them was like a fake second round pick, which mm-hmm. I guess still uh, ammo in some in some way. But it's just it's interesting how they they keep rolling over these second round these these uh these trade exceptions. So now Boston, like I was saying, their next biz, big acquisition will probably come in a trade. So they've got that exception, seventeen mil. They have the Tristan Thompson, just under 10 mil. They still have just over 5 mil of their Kemba exception. Mm-hmm. So right there, you've got a bunch of exceptions. Probably won't use all of them. And uh, But one other thing I would note is that not totally confident the Celtics will end up using uh, all of them, if any, this season. And that's just because of luxury tax reasons. Um, you Can know, you tell us with a little more specificity, first of all, for anyone who doesn't know the rules for using a TPE and then also the season, to your point, why the Celtics might be a little hesitant to use a $17.1 million trade exception? Well, they could acquire just about any player that fits within the trade exception plus $100,000 extra, no mm-hmm. more than that. And as far as the, the main, but the thing is, uh, you know, whatever you take in, you're adding that salary right now. If they're going to just absorb a player straight up, then that's going to, without giving back any other player, then you're going to add more salary. And right now I've got Boston approximately 6.6 million over the tax. They'll probably get, they'll, then, but they're going to, they'll probably wage Jabari park in the next few days. So that will drop them a little lower, but even then if the Celtics, they want to plan, they want to build the best team for Tatum as possible in the future. And over time, they will become luxury taxpayers. But if they don't need to do it right now, it is best to try to avoid it, especially when they're that close to being under it. Right. Just because the more, when you're in the luxury tax for three of the past four seasons, then you're in the repeater tax. And that's when each tax here goes up another dollar. So you're paying even more. The Warriors are paying like, but their, their team's 360 million. They really didn't do anything other than assign three minimum guys and right. draft uh, their two players. So the, you really want to try to extend, uh, delay the repeater as much as possible. So that's the only reason. If they're, So one thing I could see them doing, maybe salary dumping Chris Dunn closer to the deadline, that would drop them, drop them below. 
Uh, maybe they could uh, alternatively get off Fernando and Edwards. Uh, off the top of my head, I think that should be enough, uh, including waving Jabari. So, uh, so th- but that's the thing. I'm, I would be surprised if the Celtics do end up trading for someone with the TP with any of their TPEs that puts yeah. them over the tax. Like it's gotta be someone really good to, for it to be worth it at this point, in my opinion. Uh, but there's really like, like what kind of, what kind of game changers can you get that are making between 10 to 17 mil? Like there's maybe a few, but uh, like realistically not too many guys out there. That's really going to uh, thread the needle like that. Yeah, I put together a list a day or two ago, and the best names I came up with were Thad Young, Robert Covington, and maybe Jordan Clarkson. Uh, Dr. Quinn, I know you have Larry Nance on that list. And I think that that, all of those would take each guy's respective team not performing particularly well, and that team becoming something of a seller, and then the Celtics just being on the cusp of contention and convincing themselves that, hey, it's worth paying the tax because look at us, we're, we're going to the finals with one extra guy here. So Dr. Quinn, how likely given what Yossi said and maybe the players that are actually available out there, how likely do you think it is that they use the exception this season? And given that, what do you think that tells us about expectations for the season? I think it's possible. I think that they, so a lot of things would have to happen for it to be realistic. Brooklyn and or Milwaukee would have to look shaky. Mm-hmm for whatever reason, whether it's an internal injury, as we saw with Brooklyn last year, uh, you know, any of a million things, it would also require, you know, the, the kind of overperforming that Yossi was referring to, like they'd have to be at least a top four seed. And I think for them to really go for gambling with being a tax team and potentially mucking up their books later on down the road, I think they would have to be a top three or even top two team, which is, you know, not impossible, but not very likely. It would again be dependent on one of the predicted top teams underperforming for some other reason so it's not impossible but i wouldn't say it's likely i wouldn't even say it's you know 60 40 or 70 30 i think it's like a small chance like a one in ten one in eight mm-hmm. yeah i suspect you're both right about that and i think given in our our past few weeks episodes i don't think that first of all that's surprising or second of all that's even that worrisome because now with smart under a long contract you kind of have your core three maybe not best players but most important players so you don't need to feel squeezed so right now i was saying with boston they've heading in the next year they're roughly 26 mil below the luxury tax if they keep horford Mm -hmm. so they could theoretically use that spend that fournier exception and then maybe and then either the Thompson exception mm-hmm. and the MLE, um, they'll probably still end up over the tax when filling up the roster. But if they can, you know, during the next offseason, there's going to be more players available. So you'll open up a lot more options. Now, they might have a bit of a time crunch to use these exceptions because the Thompson one will expire on the first day of the moratorium ending. And then mm-hmm. the Fournier one expires like July 17th, 18th. So, I mean, it's not considering free agency goes by so quickly, they wouldn't uh, like, they, I don't think they'll have too much of a problem using these exceptions, but 
considering it's better than just having the MLE to get like one guy. They can get two, even three guys next offseason. Is there any reason to believe that they, I mean, maybe they'll swing a big trade, but there's anyone in free agency that they would add at this point or no, it seems like they're basically done making moves. I mean, I'd have, you mean this free agency right now? Yeah, this summer. Probably they are at a full roster already. Right. Maybe they could do some kind of consolidation trade. They just can't do it yet. Uh, they got to wait a little longer for Richardson and Dunn to be able to be uh, aggregatable. Right. But um, I would say definitely maybe closer to the trade online. I could see them doing something. I will say this. So Marcus Smart, he signed his extension. So he can't be no, – usually you can't be traded for six months, but he will become trade uh, eligible starting in, like, January. So I'm not saying that the Celtics <laughs> should go ahead and do that. I'm not playing, I'm not saying, oh, they've got him on this extension now, so they could trade him later. No, I'm just saying that, you know, let's say, I don't know, Beal does become available. You yeah. might have to send out Marcus Smart. You definitely have got the salary and some value to make it a little more worthwhile for Washington. Um he will become – he is still technically trade eligible this year. Yeah, and that trade kicker maybe makes him feel good, but we've seen people with trade kickers get traded before. All right. All right, let's, uh, let's get out of here on this. So we've kind of laid the, the cards out, and I think we've decided that, you know, this offseason and this future season is all about flexibility with the possibility of a major upgrade. So given that, I'm going to ask you both to kind of grade – what the Brad Stevens front office has accomplished. And Justin, you wrote in the notes general manager, but I guess we don't even know who the general manager is at this point, but just a hash for anyone who has been paying attention, uh, the front office signed Ime Udoka to a coaching contract. They executed the Kemba Walker Al Horford deal. They executed the Jason or Josh Richardson, Tristan Thompson trade. Cantor and Schroeder were signed. Smart was extended. And now this Fournier TBE. So given all of that, Justin, you don't have to go piece by piece, but how do you feel walking away from this offseason? If Yossi's right, there's probably no more major moves to be had. How do you view this offseason, this new Brad regime? Pretty well. Um, I'm, I don't think we could have expected much better. You know, we all want a big splash, but there is some concern about these these star wings really truly being ready to compete for a title and if they're not it doesn't make sense to push all of your cards in right now you know we we really need to have this culture reset we really need to get the books in order and extend the window for the longest possible time and maybe there's other ways you could have done it and done better but as far as i could see with my ability to assess this effectively this was a very good job somewhere between a minus and a b plus Mm-hmm. There, there might be hypothetical deals out there that I am and, you know, people on my level of understanding of the cap um, don't really have, you know, readily available to our minds. You know, there could be something, some cap wizardry out there that could have done something truly amazing and mind blowing. But this was pretty close to that as far as what I expected to see, which was a pretty dismal, if necessary, offseason. And this has not really been that. Yeah, Yossi, give us your unbiased point of view, because maybe Justin is just too much of a homer to see that this is a horrible offseason and the Celtics are doomed. I don't think it's a horrible offseason. I think it's like pretty neutral, uh, just because mainly I still don't understand what Brad Stevens is like 
short-term goal is right now with this roster Mm -hmm. other than I think he's trying to make it as competitive as possible while without breaking the bank within reason. Uh, But, you know, I just, if I could, I just wish I could understand like what he's aiming for. Cause one, you know, it seems like they wanted to have Max Caspace and then they go ahead and extend Marcus Smart. Um, Not that I'm against extending Marcus Smart. It just, uh, you know, one path, is more is uh leads you to getting like the next the third guy or or so um and then now you know they have a little less flexibility but they're gonna have to get much more creative now so we'll see if he could what what he does the kind of players he's targeting mm-hmm. uh, i did tell you guys that i think i thought the celtics could get a second round pick for tristan thompson and they did yeah, yeah. like that <laughs> uh not a fan of the canter signing uh, i don't know how I don't know if you guys already discussed this on previous episodes. Don't exactly see. I mean, as a starter, I guess it's fine on the minimum. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, I mean, again, the, and then just the Josh Richardson one. It's it's fine as far as just taking the a swing on him, and you know, as as just some type of wing who can play twenty something minutes. Um, I think it was smart not to break the bank for Fournier. I, I don't not necessarily I don't think he's overpaid. Like I, I think that's I, that's what I expected him to get paid. Right. Just it makes more sense on the Knicks than on Boston. So it's it's fine for one year, but if I just wouldn't expect Josh Richardson to I I think everyone expects him to always to be this really good two way <laughs> guy. It, that just hasn't been the case since he left Miami. Uh, so just keep, I was just as a, like a one-year rental, that's fine. I just would keep the expectations low, but, but then obviously the Dennis Schroeder signing, that's amazing value. Right. Uh, I will be, now I am interested to see what the starting lineup or like the closing lineup ends up being. Cause right now it seems like it's going to be smart Richardson, Brown, Tatum, Horford, but assuming Richardson doesn't, Maybe they don't, you know, he doesn't really pan out to be like quite playable with those guys in, a, in the high pressure moments. I wonder if maybe they want to play a little smaller and go with Schroeder and Smart. I don't know. That might be interesting. Or maybe they trade for a power, one of those power forwards you guys mentioned, like Larry Nance or Thaddeus Young. Mm-hmm. And slot, and then you're, you're a lot bigger, Smart, Brown, Tatum, this power forward. Um, I think there's still a little bit more moves to be done. Just probably won't come till a little later than now. All right. That's perfect. That's a perfect note to end on because that's a teaser for future podcasts. I will say I won't give my whole spiel on whether or not it was a good podcast, but I do know that like four weeks ago, we were talking ourselves into, yeah, maybe Jan Madar is going to be the second best point guard on the Boston Celtics. And now we don't have to worry about that. <laughs> so Yossi Goslin, you are a contributor for Hoops Hype and the co-host of the Hoops Hype podcast. And you know much more about the salary cap than I do. So thank you very much for coming on the podcast and helping Anytime. us out. Thanks and for having me on. Of course, we'll have you on as soon as the next trade or the next thing happens where the money is too complicated for my my poor little brain. Uh, also 
to the Lexington High School students to whom I am teaching economics in the fall. Good luck. Anyways, thanks for listening and we'll see you next week. Bet MGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at Bet MGM. Simply download the Bet MGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.